Thanks to viewers like you and SassyGamers.com. Bard Rock Cafe can exist, I guess. So, like, you can find links to Sassy Gamers, our Patreon, and social media stuff in the show notes. Just click. Thanks. Welcome back to Bard Rock Cafe, episode 40. Last time, the next round started in our tournament, and Armbar and Doubletail had a grueling fight against Moloch and his demons. Meanwhile, Moloch, after being soundly defeated, had to draw from the deck of many things. And he drew the Ruin card, meaning that all of his riches, all of his wealth, all of his property, and anything he owns was destroyed. Meaning that a demon lord was reduced to a pauper. The genie prince has since whisked the demon lord back to where he came from, now a smoking ruin with nothing in it. And so now we enter the break, the calm between fights, as Armbar and Doubletail rest between their matches, and another round of betting commences. So, that said, before we get started, we had a special, Death to Vecna, in which I gave the players a challenge. Now, the challenge was to, through one means or another, get Vecna to smile as he died. And they succeeded through two uses of a wish spell. What daring and handsome young gentleman would burn two wish spells on that for you guys? I don't know. The world may never know. And the stakes for that were a boon during the main recording. So, here is the boon that Bard Rock Cafe gets during its primary campaign. Moving forward, every session, there is... The Felix Dice. The Felix Dice is a d20. You may roll that d20 in place of any other roll. No advantage, no disadvantage. It is always a neutral roll, and it always has an additional plus five on top of what you would normally get for a check, attack roll, saving throw, anytime you would roll a d20. You as a party must decide when to use it, who is using it, and for what. And once it is used, it is done for that episode. It comes back at the start of the next episode. If you don't use it, well, there's no benefit to that and there's no penalty for that. It's just there if you need it. So if you have a disadvantage roll, you can instead roll the Felix die. And it'll be a neutral roll with all your normal bonuses and an additional plus five on top of that once per episode. That is your prize. And you may as well use it because it doesn't bank and you get it back at the start of every episode. But once you use it, it's gone for the rest of the episode. So if you feel like this is the time, go ahead and use it. And it has to be pre-roll, right? Like you can't just say like, oh, I didn't roll well. I'm going to use Felix Dice. Correct. You have to say, this is the roll I want to use it for. If you've already rolled, that's it. With that... We are between matches. There are three more matches to watch, correct? Yes. Bets to be made. The next up is the Drow versus the Fey. And you suspect that whoever wins this match will be going up against you. Hmm. Alright. Brock would like to place two bets. First, Brock goes up to Effie and says, Effie? I would like to bet you some of my energy and above game, that means the ability to use level three spell slots on this match. If the drow lose, I'm betting on the fate to win. Then you'll get my three level three spell slots back. And I would like, if I win, to be able to ask Mortimer three questions. Epi is kind of like wringing his hands a little bit because after that last match, he was a little spit. And it's just like, I like that idea. You're on. <laughs> I'll take your bet. One of the little mephits appears and goes, Okay, it's a deal. Scribbles down in a, a gigantic, oversized, comically so ledger that he is holding. Because he is a small creature and this is a very large book. You both feel that the, the bet is now binding. <laughs> on a fundamental, magical level. And then for his second bet, Brock actually wants to bet on the drow and say if the drow wins, he he wants betting his hat for the drow. He's trying to see if anyone will bet a better hat against his. 
hat, you say? Yes, my pink top hat. If the drow win, I win the other person's hat. A twinkle appears in his eye as the genie prince <gasps> comes down and produces a very elaborate silken... It's not a top hat. It's... I don't know <laughs> what it's called. For simplicity, we will say he has a top hat that he produces that is close to identical to yours, but it is much better quality. Uh, as you look at it, it seems to fold in on itself as though there's something weird with the spatial part of it. But as you touch it, it's like very finely made. It is fine, fine silk. You can't see anywhere that there's actual stitching on it. it says, would you like to take the bet? It would be an honor, sir, and I hold out my hand for a handshake. He shakes your hand. There is no need for a method to appear. You are making the deal with the genie prince. I wink at the genie prince as he leaves. Persuasion check. Or performance. Say performance. Performance. Wait, can, can Brock assist? Because Brock, because this is something he and Brock are doing together. You tell me. Yeah, Brock also winks to assist Baragon. Okay, roll an advantage. Wait, what? What is happening? Don't worry about it. Okay. Oh, thank you for the advantage. With a plus four, that is a dirty 20. Woohoo! The genie winks back at you. So wait. Hang on, hang on. You have advantage on your next roll of a d20. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) As the genie prince floats back up above everyone, he begins, does anyone else have anything they want to do? I want to ask a question. Sure. So... Let me get this straight. Brock winked at Baragon, and then it gave him power to then be a better winker at the genie? <laughs> Winking is my special move, established by you in canon. Me? Yeah, you literally invented Baragon's special move, the people's wink. The people's wink. wink, dude. The people's wink, that's right. Yeah, it was episode 36, I think. Sounds right. 35. Tyler doesn't remember his own jokes, everybody. I don't. Hey, it, listen, it's been a long time since that episode. It's been 47 years since we last recorded, so... So, for the listeners who have stuck with us, the time jump between real life between 39 and 40 is pretty long. I had a child, so I took a long hiatus, during which the only thing we recorded was Death to Vecna, and I just didn't have time for this. So I am thrilled to be back, but also we've forgotten some shit. So if you notice things are a little off here or there, just, you know. Make like a D20 and roll with it. Add us on it. Twitter like normal. It'll be yeah, fine. there you go. Yes, I will happily address all of your concerns on Twitter. I, I have a real good solution for this. I am literally right now creating a new channel in our Discord, which you can join in a link in the show notes called rules lawyers <laughs> oh my god if we do anything incorrectly either within the rules or within uh like our own canon and continuity go ahead and put it there i feel like it's all gonna be arm bar <laughs> man that guy sucks <laughs> we are gonna go toe-to-toe on that one for person with the most that's not you how dnd works you want to fight about it <laughs> let's fight about it <laughs> Uh, we're just here to have fun, all right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Rules were meant for breaking. So the people's wink, huh? That was a thing that we established maybe three or four months ago? That was a thing we established 30, 36 years ago. But this still this still does not change that Brock also winked at Baragon, who then absorbed that power somehow to make his wink stronger. <laughs> okay. So above game, Tyler, this is what's called the help action, where somebody who's proficient in the skill you're trying to roll on has to do something meaningful to help you. I understand. I understand. I'm just saying, like, and and if you think about how that works, that's fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. That's fair. It's literally the plus four Uno card, and then somebody else is like, yeah, I'm adding to that. That's a good way of putting it, actually. Actually, yeah, I like that. I like that analogy. The combo. (laughs) 
Oh my god. I'm getting back on the, on, the, on the train a little bit here. All of that um, was in character conversation. Anyway. Oh, should, should we go back through and I'll do it in armbar voice? <laughs> oh my god. Just give me the transcript. I'll, I'll, I'll repeat it. <laughs> can we take Can we take the last minute, the last ten minutes over again? I will start playing role and straight up murder people. <laughs> this round is the Fey and the Drow, right? Correct. Can I do... I want to say it's an insight check, even though I'm, I have like a plus zero to insight. But using like sort of my knowledge of how the tournament has progressed so far, and you know my kind of read on how a person operates in an arena like situation, I want to see if I can kind of get a better educated guess as to who's going to win this round. Go ahead. Hmm. Yeah, I'll let you roll insight, and we'll okay. see how you do. And you have advantage because you got a wink. 17 plus 8. I got an 8 on the D8. So that is a 25. With a 25, I will also ask for a history check. I'm bad at those. Well, I rolled a 19, so thank you for the wink. That's an 18. Thank you for giving me power. Give me strength. (laughs) So, as you're looking at the combat about to begin, you notice that one of the drow, the blade that the drow wields, has about a three-link-long mithril chain at the end of it. And all the fighters so far have carried themselves with confidence, like they know what they're doing. This drow, you're looking at that chain, and it's sparking some kind of memory. You remember now... From your years fighting in arenas, there's not many of these blades. These blades are renowned to only be carried by blade masters. Those that have mastered the use of a blade and all of the styles associated with that. This drow is probably one of the best fighters as far as using a sword that you're ever going to meet. Okay. There is a female drow that looks to be more of a priestess, which is curious in a different way because there is no divine magic. But what catches your eye is that mithril chain. She has one too, or? No, she does not. Okay. The, The male drow with two swords on his back, one of them has a mithril chain. That is a very significant marker. The Fae, on the other hand, look to be... You rolled a 25 insight. So I will say they seem to be, as best you can tell, probably outmatched. They are confident. They probably rely on magic that charms and bewitches, which is not as effective against elven fighters. And they are fighting against a master swordsman. Best guess... You think that the drow probably have this handled. Did the drow seem hungover? Oh, yeah, because you gave them the... Like, how did the uh, Greater Restoration treat them? I will say that the woman looks hungover. The Swordmaster does not. Like, maybe even with the Greater Restoration, there was a save involved. Because it was really good alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to place a bet. And I am looking specifically for somebody who is willing to trade a weapon. Now, you can tell me if this is uh, something that's going to be allowed or not. Paul and I kind of talked about this before the session. In the backstory one shot that Berrigan was in with Armbar, he had a great sort of sharpness. That was not on my character sheet previously, but we added it in for that one shot. Can I offer that up? Sure. You would still have that. Okay. The Chain Devil from the previous match. Oh, he's still here. <laughs> uh, thoroughly humbled. He offers up the blade from his tail. He's taking your bet and placing his bets. I'm assuming you're betting on the Drow winning. Uh, yes. He is placing his bet on the Fae. And a little method appears and records the bet and disappears. Does anyone else have anything they would like to do? Sure. 
I would like to bet evidence of a crime that the drow <laughs> are going to win this for something comparable. Above game? For the sake of the DM. I was going to say, huh? The bag of <laughs> sand that would incriminate me as the guy who did the sand thing as, as Kevin. Oh, shit. That's a good idea, though. Shout out to Kevin with a Y. Kevin with a Y. Like, gonna be betting on this. You know Kevin with an I is definitely watching this, right? Because he's a big Baragon fan. I mean, he was he's not here. No, but like he's watching it back home on the sphere. At home on the sphere. So that is what you're offering up. What are you looking for? What are you asking? Something comparable. What, what do you think is worth evidence of a crime of which I am leaving in my pocket for the most part? It's like in a bag. It's a bag of pocket sand that I'm be betting, but I'm making it important. Pocket sand. Pocket sand. It's worth mentioning it is wild magic sand. It is wild I, magic sand. Yeah. I'm going to say you don't get any takers. Oh. Aww. No one wants the pocket sand? Yeah, nobody, like, that's... Well, it's magical pocket sand. It is magical pocket sand, but it is sand, and you're on the plane of fire. It'll never burn. Do you still have your egg? I do not have the egg. The egg hatched, remember? I do not remember. <laughs> what egg? The boot egg. Boot egg. The boot egg. <laughs> anyway, nobody takes your bet. Nobody is interested in pocket sand. Ah, dang. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the bet on pocket sand. I'll offer up my life. I'm kidding. Edit that out. You know, Epi, I will bet you my wand of secrets for your sand. That's between y'all. <laughs> You're on. And I'll personally tell you that you are right if you won. If you are right. Brock already knows you committed this crime. This is a very stakeless bet. <laughs> yeah, you already confessed yeah. this previously. So. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. But if he's going to take this. <laughs> Brock just feels bad as no one took his friend's bet. A method appears... It writes down a wand of secrets versus pauses. Looks just really just frustrated and writes pocket sand and then closes the <laughs> Just doesn't even poof away, just like slowly flies away. <laughs> All right, are we done betting everybody? Nadir is out betting. We can say that he's doing this for like every round because it's not mechanically relevant. He's out there, like, trading, betting and trading stories. You know, hey, if you win, I'll give you a story of adventure from my book, and if I win, you give me a new one to put in here. That's good. Hmm. Roll me a d6. Okay. And also, which side are you betting on? For this one, let's say he's betting on the drow, and three. Three other people bet take your bet right a, okay. a story for a story one of them seems to be a merid which is a water genie it's also in attendance one seems to be a high elf and one looks to be we'll say a gif about stories from the outer realms so you have the promise of three stories if you win and you have to give three if you lose okay and we will resolve that afterwards i have one I'm gonna. What did Baragon bet? Like for like on who? I bet on the Drow. I'm gonna bet on the Drow. If the Drow wins, then I bet a uh, punch to the face. <laughs> so if the Drow win, you punch the other person in the face, and if the Drow lose, you get punched in the face. Yeah. A burly dwarf takes <laughs> your bet. He is halfway through what looks to be his third or fourth pint as he takes this bit. He looks pretty burly. Like, you think he'll probably hurt you if he punches you. It might hurt you to punch him, looking at him. Like, do I see him? Like, do we, are, is he within, like, speaking reach? Do you look down? <laughs> no. No, you don't see him. <laughs> What's your armor class? 17. He kicks you in the shins. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what the blue blazes was... Oh, I didn't see you there. Are you the pipsqueak that placed your bet against me? I am. I don't think you know who you're messing with. A punch for a punch, laddie. And then if I beat you in that punch, it'll be a shot for a shot. I like the cut of your jip. 
I don't know what you said, but your game's on. Oh, Armbar made a friend. The dwarf waddles back, polishing off that pint, and orders another. And Brock pours it for him. He's like, here you go, one in the house. I give the guy a free cup of the uh, super dwarven ale. He starts to take a sip, stops, looks up at you with open surprise and a little respect. And then he starts to drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure to win this time. I hope you appreciate this brew. I got it from my friends at the Keel Hall Dwarf. In between gulps, you hear... <laughs> <laughs> so, anyone else? I've already got three bets up. I'm good. I would like to bet... You already have two bets up. You're good. I know, but I could also put up one for three, three, other, 300 three gold rounds. diamonds on the drow. <laughs> Let's not waste all our bets on one round. Fair enough. So, without further ado, the genie prince heads up to the top and begins to introduce this team. Can I play a walk-on song for the drow? Federal performance. Womp, womp, womp. That is a 2 plus 11 for 13. Okay. I mean, it's still plus 11, and it's not a nat 1. It's still okay. Like, it's definitely not your best. It's, it's like performing in the subway, right? Like, yeah, all right. It's, there's just a guy. The audience has seen me in this very night perform better, like, three times. Correct. Yeah. You just got done doing, like, freaking Mozart's Ninth Symphony, and now you're just chopsticks, right? Like, okay. Anyway. Or no, it's Beethoven's night. Anyway, shut up. <laughs> so, the Fae take their positions. The Drow take theirs. The Drow Priestess looks visibly ill. The Blade Master looks a little off. Like, maybe he's still feeling it a bit. But a method appears atop their arena, which is to be Spiderweb Caverns. The top is open, and so you're seeing kind of top-down perspective as you're watching uh, but there are lots of corners to duck around and places to run to like they could if they flew get up above the walls and move that way right but it is a sprawling maze-like structure the method counts down crowd is going wild people are placing last minute bets and then betting cuts off in the same instant as a loud bang indicates the start of the match the Fae begin to slowly approach as the Priestess begins to try to cast a spell. The Blade Master simply removes his robe, revealing nothing but pants. Blade strapped to his back. <laughs> nothing but pants. Just imagine a guy wearing a suit made out of multiple pairs of pants. Yeah, pants tied everywhere. He is completely covered, but it's all pants. It's a <laughs> complete set of denim armor. Yeah, all the way down. Just... <laughs> denim, denim, denim. <laughs> and he is covered in scars and corded muscle top to bottom. The priestess casts a spell on him, but miscasts, and the spell fails. And he kind of glances over at her and then just refocuses on the fae approaching. Ooh. What was the um, spell? Can I interject and do something, maybe? Sure. Mm -hmm. So, one of the abilities that I was granted during our training montage works once per like tournament round i haven't used it yet the whole tournament so i want to use it to influence the results of this match in some way okay so i want to use trickster's blessing to rewind time by one combat round and see if that can help this spellcaster actually complete the spell they're trying to do roll me a d20 okay. the spell succeeds and the Drow Swordmaster is now hasted. And I, I'm not going to describe like what that looks like right now, just because I want to... You are the only one aware that this has happened. To everybody else, it just kind of looks like a like a bad jump cut in a in a movie or something. Sure. Everyone gets a feeling of deja vu. You all watch deja vu. Weird sense of... Yeah, I, yeah. All right. Let's try to avoid it. <laughs> it happened anyway. Somewhere, someone is drifting a cart in this universe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the food truck is drifting. Right, yeah. So, the Blade Master is hasted. He unlatches the Mithril Sword, the Mithril Chain Sword, and draws just that one, and waits for the Fae to get closer. And as they get close, they start to cast a spell. 
And as they're casting, you watch this Blade Master move with unbelievable speed. And nobody got to see this in the first round. The first round, the, the Frost Giants simply surrendered. Here, you get to watch this guy in action. He is in the face of the smaller Fey attacking multiple times. It's difficult to follow him. And this interrupts the spell casting. Uh, the priestess starts to try to cast a different spell. Ten seconds into this match, it's over. Right? The priestess tries to use a hold person on the other Fey. It fails. But as the Fey tries to slash at the blade master, he just simply isn't there anymore when the blade comes down. His sword work is perfect. And in two and a half rounds, he manages to just decimate the two Fey so that they surrender. One of them is just defeated and bamfed back to the Feywild after being destroyed on this plane, and the other surrenders before it gets to that point. And the drow emerge victorious. Bam. Got him. Damn. As the drow declared the victories, uh, multiple little <laughs> occur as mephits reappear all over to enforce the bets that were made. Going down the list. Brock, you have pockets in. <laughs> I just hand a tiny, yes. tiny little bag full of wild magic sand to you. Let's see. What else was there? Yes, Epi, you have all of Brock's third level spell slots, which is oh, Medicaid is shit, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> you let Justin win inspiration last episode. Remember when Justin got poisoned twice? It's okay. I have an Epi pin now. And we're poisoned again. <laughs> uh, armbar the dwarf is now right there showing you his chin well what you can see of it underneath his beard like come on and hit me with your best shot i promise it won't smirk too much roll to see if you get a nat 20 you're going to hit oh. it's because yeah alright seriously dude seriously dude <laughs> How? Well, go ahead for the for the listeners, Tyler. <laughs> for the listeners, tell them what happened. I uh, I uh, I rolled a nat one. <laughs> what did I say? Give me two d one hundred, please. I can't wait to see what this does. <laughs> Armbar reflexively launches a hundred more punches on the guy. Seventy three in uh, thirty one. First of all, a dwarf that is actively trying to get you to hit him. You miss. You just swing wide. You're not sure what happened. <laughs> it's like you just got dizzy for a second. And maybe it's the fact that your weapon seems to have gained a life of its own. And instead of you, the blunt part of your axe is clocking this dwarf across the jaw. Go ahead and roll damage for your weapon. I hit him with the weapon? Ah! 1d12 plus 4. 16. Okay. You clock the dwarf so hard on the side of the head, he is now unconscious. Is he dead or unconscious? I win. <laughs> you already won. Brooke! Brooke! What do I do? I just knocked this guy out! Roll another attack roll. Oh no. 23. Uh, so that's 15 slashing, correct? That would be 15 slashing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the axe now swings at the mephit that is right there. Uh, and a 23 definitely hits. Uh, as the mephit is cleaved in two. Oh thank god. Wait, did you just say what cleaved into? The method, the method that took your bet. I, I, you know, I'm gonna cast enthrall on armbar, so he has to focus all his attention on Brock. It's not armbar; it's the axe is acting on its own. Can I jump in and like try to intercept a strike if it's going for somebody else? Uh, sure. Armbar, roll an attack. Oh my god! Oh, oh my god! god. What? Happened? I just rolled a critical. Just rolled a net twenty. 
<laughs> first of all, first of all, let's just marvel at the fact that you rolled 11 and 11 for 22 slashing damage. So, Paragon, go ahead and take 22 points of damage. Ow. Hey, can this thing be um, counterspelled? Oh. Just a quick question. Does Epi know to spell magic? I don't know to spell magic. I know counterspell. Yeah, same, but I'm not using it. This is fun. Oh, no. <laughs> I just got crit on. This is no longer fun. 37 and 12. <laughs> Let's see what we get. This one's a good one. This is driving me to drink more. I'm going to do the dumb thing. Also, I would like to cast Thaumaturgy. Make some sound behind it like, Hey, back here. Hit me. Hit me. Hit me. Armbar. Mm -hmm. You gain 10 strength for the next hour. What? Oh, no. What? Turn time, that's good, but... Present moment, it's not good. I will say, there is over an hour until your next match, so oh. that's not going to be relevant, but... Damn it. For Sorry. the duration of the break, at least, you have plus 10 strength. You could plus probably hold this thing down. Like... Yeah, no, 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 like, what is your strength score? It was 18. You now have 28 strength. Holy shit. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, the axe is now... Seems to be focused... On Baragon, what do you all do? Thaumaturgy. Because I can make a sound nearby it, right? I'm going to drop the X. It's acting on its own. It is no longer in your pack. It is floating there, attacking anyone nearby. Uh... I'm going to cast Enthrall on the axe. That is a DC 16 Christmas save. It does not seem to respond. Do I proc wild magic? Uh... <laughs> yep. God bless. Roll a d100. All right, I'm going to use my special Brock and Roll dice for this. Where is my other 10? Uh, 52. And 16. Well, it's just one, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's a 52. I forgot it was an advantage. Okay, so anytime you cast a spell, it takes both an action and a bonus action to cast it. Your spell components that require verbal components, you have to get really, really wordy and loquacious and elaborate with the casting, like you're showing off in spite of yourself. For the next minute. But the axe has no interest in me. It doesn't seem to respond to enthrall. I would like to use thaumaturgy to kind of try and confuse it just by having somebody blowing raspberries behind it, and just, if he turns around behind it again, just like... Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't seem to have an effect. I want to try to just grab it and hold it down until this effect ends. Roll an athletics check, please. Bardic Inspiration. Thank you. Athletics. Hang on, I have to do math, then I'm bad at math. Um, plus four. 31. Yeah, so you have a firm grip on the axe, preventing it from swinging wildly. For one round, you have prevented it from attacking. What would anyone else like to do before we do another round of that? How dead okay. is that imp? Oh, it just, it's vanished. It is smoke. Oh, okay. Mr. 28 Strength, want to jump in and help me hold this thing down? Yeah, I guess, I guess I'm going to try to hold it down as well. So I will say for the sake of expediency that between Armbar's new Storm Giant level strength score and uh, Double Tail... Uh, you guys are able to hold it down for two more rounds, after which it has not attacked a character in three rounds, and it no longer is attacking. It seems to disanimate, and is lying there. God. Does the dwarf that got smacked require things like spare the dying? Nope, just unconscious. Okay. He'll benefit from my song of rest in a moment. We need to dispose of the body! He's not dead yet, Armbar. Are you sure? Yeah, alright, look very closely. Do you see how his mustache is still blowing in and out? <laughs> that means he's still breathing? I thought that was just the wind. Yes, from his lungs. Do you know what lungs are, Armbar? Are they the things that make your chest go up and down? Yes. <laughs> yes, they are. Okay, so let's resolve. Let's resolve the rest of the bets. So, let's see. Doubletail, you bet your weapon. Yes. You won that bet. I sure did. So you watch as the Chain Devil detaches its own tail. Ow. It seems to be kind of lizard-esque as it does this. But before it does, it grows the tip of the tail into an axe head. Hmm. And as it detaches the tail and hands it to you, 
you get the sense that you have some kind of unique weapon, but it might take an hour to attune to it before you mm. get the idea of what you have. Well, axes aren't really my thing. And you have a buddy right there that only has a plus one axe to his name. Yeah. Hey, champ. Uh, I got you something. And just Baragun hands this um, this axe to Armbar. Is it my birthday? Yes, sure. Is it his birthday? Can I roll to see if it's his birthday? You remembered. You're such a good friend. I'm sorry I didn't get you anything for my birthday. Oh. It, it's it's actually also my birthday. We have the same birthday. That's crazy. You know that you know that statistics problem where if like there's a hundred people in a room, it's almost entirely certain that they have the same birthday. I I don't know what you're talking about st statistics. I can't even spell that. I start oh. shuffling through my bag. I I probably have something I can use as a present in here. Oh 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 no. Oh no. Hey, uh, Nadir, bro, come here yes. a second. Oh, what's up? I was supposed to give these to you a while ago. So here's this, <laughs> and he hands you a crumpled box that has been in, under heavy books and a couple of other things that's wrapped in nice little festive paper and does the same mm -hmm. for Nadir and whatever you were supposed to have gotten from the last Christmas special. And I have something I have to say, too. Hey, those look familiar. I have one of these too, but it's oh, to Brock. Uh, I think this is your birthday present. You can read that. You got all those letters. I have the B and the R. Hey, that's you know context clues. Burr, burr. Here you go. And C. And I open it up, and just because above game, I know what it is. Can I say what it is? Oh, you gotta open my present, damn it! Yes, Brock opens it up, and it's a little bracelet. It's the air guitar submitted by patron T Justin. Brock can now play music without a guitar by just strumming his hands like he's holding one. Uh, after the after you attune to it, yeah. Ooh. Uh, uh, are you planning to attune to it, Armbar? Over this break, it takes an hour. I will attune to it, even though Armbar has no idea what attuning does. Uh, you spend an hour with a magical item, and it becomes linked to your soul. You know what? Armbar is so excited about his new gift, he's gonna cuddle the shit out of that axe, and he's gonna attune to it. Hey, Armbar. I can tell you more about that axe if you want me to. I have this fancy Ooh. spell called Identify. I was kind of hoping you had some kind of birthday present for me. Yes, but it's a special one. We'll have to get it to you when we get back. But for okay. now, I can tell you more about that one. What's there to tell? It's an axe. Oh, it's a special axe, and I'm going to tell you how special in one minute. And I start casting Identify on it. Would you like me to, or would you like to, Marty? I would love to. Um... This is a patron submission from uh, Marty Balmer, friend of the show. Um, I, list, I, I linked it, uh, an image of the write-up that I made for it in the Discord under the patron item submissions channel. This is Armbar's Great Chain Axe. You have a plus one bonus to attack and damage rolls made with this magic weapon. This great axe has a chain affixed to the pommel. A creature with at least 14 strength may use the chain to throw the great axe as a ranged weapon attack with an effective range of 30 feet. You may also use a bonus action to magically retract the chain and return the axe to your hand. You may also roll an attack with disadvantage to swing the axe at range using the chain. You gain proficiency in performance checks while attuned to this weapon. If you already have proficiency, you gain expertise. Oh, thanks, Marty. That's so nice. Holy shit, did you just invent the Kusari Gama but put a great axe at the end of it? God, that's fucking awesome. And 
thematically, you are swinging the tail of a chain devil around when you use this weapon. Yeah, it'll make you think of our cool-ass fight that we had with those demons that one time. So, above game, I do have to ask, Armbar, are you giving the axe that you used to use to Minibar? Oh, hell yeah. Outstanding. Oh. Minibar has a magic weapon. Oh. <laughs> Just need to get him to rage and we'll be all ready to go. Okay. Uh, what else did we have? The hat. Yes. Uh, the genie comes down and graciously presents you with his hat. And I say, thank you very much. And I take the, my old hat off and I replace it with the new hat and put my goggles on top. And there you have it. <laughs> uh, all right. What am I missing? I know I have Nadir with the three stories. So I don't have stories written up. So I will say I will get you those stories at a later time. And maybe we will post them as its own thing. Yeah, that's that's fine. They can. It's all it's all just Bard Rock Cafe fan fiction. <laughs> I do have a question about the Great Axe. It says that I can I, I can roll an attack with disadvantage to swing that axe at range. Can I also roll? Um, I think it's called savage attacks. Recklessly. Re yeah, attack recklessly, and that negates that. Yeah, so it would just be at normal, but you would have 30 feet of range on the X. Okay. So you can just... That guy's 30 feet away. I want to hit him. Flying enemy? Not a problem anymore. Right, and the, the disadvantage is for, like, if you've already thrown it and you can't return it in the same turn. So, like, you can use a bonus action to return it, right? If you throw it, but you don't want to use your bonus action it, but you have your second attack, you can roll with disadvantage to still, like kind of maneuver it from range is kind of was kind of my was kind of my thought on it yeah even though it's already out like i can still kind of like attack by swinging it around or something like that yeah because it's the difference between you have an axe right there versus you're just flinging this 30 foot whip around trying to hit somebody right makes sense the only reason it works is because it is magical and attuned to you and tends to do what you want it to do uh, what, what is left? I think that's all the bets. Cool. But, uh, because apparently it's Armbar and, Armbar and Barry's birthday, Rock's like, I have presents for you both, and he pulls out some of the more merchandise because he's about to pull up the next round merchandise anyway, and he has commemorative alpaca replicas of Scruzzle and Natch and gives you each a pair. Oh. oh. Nice. And then he starts selling them to the passersby, like, get a kid, you like Scruzzle and Natch, the champ's alpacas? Get your own commemorative alpacas to celebrate the tournament. A great souvenir, a great gift for your kids. Go ahead and roll performance. Let's let's see it. Alright, that is a 17 plus 11, 28. Selling them like hotcakes. They have seen you guys curb stomp druids and demons and you have their attention. There's now a little triton girl with two alpaca dolls that are soaking wet because it's a triton girl. Uh, and so many others. And for an extra two gold, you can get them signed by Barry and Armbar. Listen, man, that's cool, but I had shit I wanted to do. <laughs> so, do you sign, or do you get a short rest? Which one would you like? I need a short rest so bad, I just got crit on. That was a joke. It was Please, a joke. have mercy. Do like, I need to I'll do an get... alter self to sign the merchandise so everybody else can take a rest? Like I say, short rest or, which, by the way, arcane recovery is on a short rest. So true. if you don't short rest, you don't arcane recovery. True, true. But anyway, I digress. But yeah, the genie prince begins to announce the next combatants. This time, Sergeant Slaughter against the dragon. Rav takes out that sack of coins that he got from his last big bet on Armbar and Barragon. And he says, I will bet this on the Paladin of Pain. Against? Whoever's going to take a 10,000 bet, 10,000 gold bet with uh, my weird demon money. Can I roll a check to see if I remember weird demon money? You did that before and failed it. Dang it. And I feel like people are rooting on the dragon here, so I feel like there'd be someone who'd take this bet. Oh, no. I, I disagree. I think that people are rooting for the Slaughter of Pain. It's worth mentioning that no one from the Material Planes ever won this tournament, and there are three teams from the Material Planes still in this tournament. Correct. 
Can I do another insight check on this uh, on this fight just for funsies? I'm not gonna place a bet. I just wanna. Sure, go ahead and roll insight. We're gonna resolve it after I deal with uh, the bet. So, a creature looking to be—it almost looks like you would imagine a fallen angel looks like, billowing white feathered wings that grow black at the tips. In gray, ragged-looking robes approaches you, a black halo above their head, and they offer to take the bet of your soul coins. In return, they offer ownership of a contract. Whoa. Can I know more about this contract? They explain only that it is on the leader of a nation. Oh. I'll take it. You are gambling for a contract... Basically demanding loyalty and obedience from a nation's leader for all of your soul coins. The fallen angel is not showing you the contract. It is not showing you who it is for. Can I look over the imp's shoulder to see what name they write down for this bet? Like, are they writing Brock Bets? this? Yeah, Brock Bets soul coins. Are you looking for the metaphysical answer, whether it's Brock or Roll at the steering wheel? Yeah. Would the imp know that, or are they just identifying me as Brock Song, because that's the guy standing there? You are just being identified as Brock Song. If Epi wants to interpret that, you believe it is Brock. If that is your basis for judging. Oh no, I just wanted to see if maybe the imp knew, but well, I am suspicious. The imp writes Brock. So, that bet is in place. Just real quick, are there any other bets that you're looking to make? Just rapid fire because I'm trying to get through to a certain point. I'm going to whisper in Brock's ear. All right, I'll bet you one question in Mortimer. If you can tell me what the best present for Arnbar would be when we get back. I'm betting on the the not dragon paladin of pain, that fella. I'll do that one for free, Epi. Turns out I'm your friend. Uh, yeah. Also, I did get a nat one on my insight check. You have no clue. Does Barry trigger wild magic? Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Alright, 17 and 28. Okay, your armor shrinks to the next size category down. You have disadvantage on all constitution checks, saving throws, and attack rolls for the next hour. Okay. After which it will return to normal. So by the time combat begins... You're fine, but your armor is super tight, impossible to remove. It is basically a curse. If somebody wants to cast a remove curse through some means, cool, you're fine. Otherwise, it's there. Would Greater Restoration take rid of that? Yeah, are you wanting to try it? I'm it's reading it. Up. No, it's it's fine. I'm fine. Don't waste no don't waste time on me. It's only it's fine. You know what, as as glorious as seeing your exact ab dimensions are, I take my EpiPen and I jab him with it. The curse is broken, your armor returns to normal. Oh, okay, I know I know. I was trying to be big and like say it's fine, but oh, that was really uncomfortable, thank you. That is your one use of the EpiPen for today. That's fine. <laughs> Happy to help, buddy. Alright, other bets, rapid fire, what do we got? We can assume for every non-critical fight, Nadir is just trading stories. Uh, I'd like to bet some diamonds on Death Guy. Tell uh, pain. A one-armed man comes up and bets a question. Whoa. <laughs> That's so that, ominous. That must be answered truthfully. You know what? I'll take it. Please. Please take that out of context. Just a one-armed man comes up and bets a question. So, oh my god. That's just like one of those one-sentence prompts. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting characters here, and if we had more time to explore them all. But, it's not the focus. The focus is the tournament. So, last call, any bets? So, Sergeant Slaughter and Bernie Broth make their way into the arena. Versus a single dragon. Oh, so he's single. Yeah. <laughs> oh, in that case, I, I would like to wink at the dragon. 
The dragon is not paying attention to you. The dragon. It is a gold dragon. Wow. Making its way. Thinks it's too good, huh? Yeah, gold digger. <laughs> I would like to blow a kiss at the dragon. Again, dragon is not paying attention to you. This fight takes place on an island in the middle of an ocean. Like, when you think of an island, I mean, like, the Bugs Bunny Island with one coconut tree and, like, 15 feet of space. So this massive dragon is basically wading in beach water while the Paladin of Pain is five feet away right next to it. The match begins to count down. And as the loud bang indicates the fight starts, uh, Bernie Broth opens up immediately. The dragon tries to give out a breath weapon, but finds that its head is suddenly restrained. Epi, roll an arcana check. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Arcana. 25! <laughs> this episode... This episode of Bar... And I suppose, <laughs> uh, Nadir, you can also roll an arcana check for this as well. Okay. I want to roll an arcana check. Go ahead! <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, you know what? For fun, why not? No, okay, I actually didn't do too bad on that. What'd you get? I got a 16. You have no idea. I got 21. Nadir and Epi, you both recognize that the dragon's head, and only its head, has been trapped looking directly up in a force cage. Oh. The head is completely immobilized as the dragon is swinging wildly with its tail, with its wings, with its claws. The breath weapon fires directly up into the air as it breathes fire at nothing. Hmm. Meanwhile, Paladin of Pain unsheathes his weapon and begins to just lay into this dragon. Now restrained in an awkward way, the dragon is swinging blindly and occasionally catches Sergeant Slaughter. Just by luck. Paladin of Pain is striking and swinging with what looks to be divine force blasting away at the dragon until eventually uh, the dragon realizing that it is beaten and cannot remove the force cage from its head and cannot reach the spellcaster maintaining it yields and resigns with dignity and the paladin of pain is victorious bets are resolved epi you gain a 300 piece diamond. Oh, uh -huh. Nadir earned several more stories. What other bets were there? There was my enormous bet, but I feel like you're saving that for last. You bet soul coins against the contract. Uh, you gain, it looks to be a box, but the box itself has writing on it. And there's a button at the top that you press. Uh, the fallen angel looking creature presses the button and the box itself unfolds into looks to be black adamantium with red writing inscribed on it. The box itself is the contract. And written on the contract is the name of one of the nobles in Waterdeep. Yo! Which one? No. Anyone I know? Yes. Do you want me to tell everyone? I, I have to know. You're killing me. <laughs> no, I would actually... Can you just message me? I want to know this. I Like, Boxer himself... Oh, I'm gonna die. I would like to have my unseen servant take a peek. Paul, you devious man. <laughs> For those of you at home, Paul just posted a picture of the Grinch smiling in the Discord. I feel like Paul had that that me like that gif up like ahead of time. So your unseen servant tries to read it. Your unseen servant does not read Infernal. I read Infernal. Uh, Wait, does Brock speak Infernal? Brock has his little stone thing. Correct. Then I am going to go up behind him because why not? And I am going to just put hands around shoulders. So, who was it? I can hmm. read Infernal. Brock, do you let Epi read it? How fast can I close this? I would say... Epi, you're not saying that you're being stealthy about it, so I would say you see Epi coming. I close it up as Epi approaches. At a thought, the box closes itself 
with alarming rapidity. Oh, you're no keeping box. secrets now, hmm? I do have the confidentiality of this contract to maintain. Hmm. Is that so? Look me in the eyes and tell me something. I look you in the eyes. Can I see it? Promise I won't tell. No, I'm going to keep this one private. Sorry. I want to see, does he have the same, like, tone of voice that Roll normally does when he says that? I just want to see. I have suspicions. Let me put it above game. If I was playing Roll and actively using the Roll voice, you would know. Ah, fair enough. So if you're facing Roll, Roll has learned to talk like Brock. Oh, dang it. I'm just going to turn to him. So, Brock, what are you going to use that for? You didn't really seem like the, um, the type to have blackmail on people. Oh, of course not. I can free them from their contract in exchange for them vouching for me to be a mass lord. And then I actually did a good deed. And how are you going to do that? So, I would say you wouldn't have to ask that. You would know just from your knowledge that, yeah, he's... You can do that. If you're, own, if you're the owner of a contract, you can just negate the contract. That is a course of action you can take. Oh, well, don't worry. All it takes is for you to say the contract is null and void, and you'll have already done it. So, go ahead. I'm sure Why he'll be able to tell. Well, I'll talk to them first and let them know the terms of their freedom. Terms of their freedom? That's from the contract. And what terms are those? That they'll vouch for me for my conquest to become a mass lord. We talked about this. Come on. <laughs> it was like, I literally uh, said this a few seconds ago. True, <laughs> true. DM needs to shut up. I just... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nah, you're fine. I'm trying to be clever, but my brain is... I am, I am a dumb person playing a character who's supposed to be smart. You can just hear the hamster going to town on the little hamster wheels. I feel like you poked around enough. If you're looking for an insight check, you could probably get it by now. Go ahead. Go ahead and roll an insight. Uh, Brock, roll at advantage, persuasion, or deception, your choice. I don't think he's gonna have to worry about that. Well, the first roll is an 18 on the die, plus Bard. So I will just say this. Epi, you are convinced it is Brock. Whether it actually is or not, you know he rolled higher than you. Yep. <laughs> Epi's gonna let it be. In that same instant, as bets are being taken for the next round, you are interrupted by a portal opening. And Rook, stumbling okay. through it. Rook? Hello. Hey, how are you? Are you alright? How's she looking? A portal appeared and I just stumbled through it? Where? So, a portal is appearing basically right in the midst of the Bardrock crew. You just got done talking to Felix, hearing what he had to say to you, and he opens a portal for you. When Rook steps through, she does not look the way she usually does. Rook is quiet, but she seems to have a bit of a quiet confidence about her most of the time. But this time she walks through, for the first time since you met her, you remember that she's 15 years old. She looks more gaunt. She, her eyes are red, her nose is a little runny, and she stares at all of you with trembling lips for a second. And it almost looks like she's trying to catch her breath. Rook, Rook, are you alright? <laughs> What's wrong? I'm gonna go up and offer hug. Rook doesn't uh, respond, but it's not her normal disdain. She seems kind of in a daze. She's looking around the room. She's looking for signs of the drow. Does she see them? Yeah, you see their camp just kind of off over there. You don't see, like, a lot of them. Like, you see the matron mother with her entourage. As soon as she sets her eyes on them, you see a little bit of that rook come back. Her fists are bald. She is clenching her fists. And that's when she finally opens her mouth. Her voice is cracked as she's trying to speak to you. My mom. They have my mom. She's staring right at the drow and her eyes are narrowing. I don't care how. I don't care if it's right this second or if we're going to make a plan. But we have to get 
those fucking drow. They have my mom. And she looks at Brock. She looks at Armbar. She looks at Epi. They have your family, too. Armbar. They have your granny. Ah! Epi. They have Julia. And Brock. They have your mom. I don't... If they're trying to get us fired up, well... As I said, I don't care. We're gonna have to get them. We're going to have to get them because they have my mom! And that's... That's where we're gonna cut the episode.